Hello, this is Colin Parker, and you're listening to EQ&A. EQ&A is a premier podcast of interviews and panels with music and entertainment industry professionals. These are done in a weekly forum at Loyola University of New Orleans. Today's panel is with the team behind The Sexism Project. You can find a lot more about them on the website, thesexismproject.com. So let's set the stage with a little bit of background information on The Sexism Project before we get into that interview. Uh, The Sexism Project is an ongoing oral interview and photographic portrait series beginning with female subjects in the New Orleans music community with the hopes of growing to include different subjects in different communities and industries throughout the world. The tenets of The Sexism Project are based on experience, awareness, trust, individuality, community, and progression. Some of the missions that they have here with this are share, understand, and embrace the differences and experiences from the people around you, open your mind to the stories of others, live in their shoes, and see what they see, garner an awareness of your own actions, what they mean, and how they affect and perpetuate for the better or for the worst, trust in the stories of those around you, even if those stories are not your own, utilize trust over suspicion. Recognize the differences from individual to individual. Celebrate those differences and worship those differences. Forge bonds that support the creation of a community made up of those individuals and their differences. Now repeat steps one through five. This panel was moderated by Loyola University's Kate Duncan. The team members that were included on this panel were Katie Sakura, Morgan Thylen, Alexis Marceau, and Adam Gerber. And now let's cut over to that interview. Hello, lovely forum people. Welcome. So I'm very, thank you for the wave. That was nice. Thanks. I appreciate it. Wave section. Great. Can we start one? No, never mind. So uh, I'm really excited for what we're about to show you guys tonight. Um, I'm going to not give it too much of a preamble, but this was something I will say this was a me on Facebook late one night, and a small video popped up that brought us to this moment. And I'll, I'll go into more detail and how impactful that tiny little video was and how the sequence of events that has brought this about. But um, I want to introduce to you the team behind the Sexism Project. So I'm going to bring them out. Um, they can come on out. So let's give them a hand. So this is the team. Hello. Welcome. Hello. Hi. So uh, this project that we're about to check out before we go into the get to know you part, um, like I said, I was on Facebook one night, and you know how those like local ads come up for whatever? This was somehow geotagged because it was a New Orleans-based project, but it's gone national and international at this point. Um, and I, I see this video of actually Katie, who is the, the head of this project, and um, it just it seemed compelling. So I click on it, and it's called the Sexism Project. And you know, I'm about radical concepts like equality. And <laughs> I I click on it, and and I watch, and I'm hearing stories from women in the industry that we are in that sound exactly like my words, and that are telling situations that. I've been in or I've watched my, my colleagues, my female colleagues go through. And it was so compelling. I immediately, I just told her that I was embarrassed about the frantic email that I was like, Google search, creepy stalker, like figured out what her contact information was and said, I work at Loyola, you have to come. And actually, coincidentally, at the very same time, I think Katie's think alike and Kate's think alike, um, our career coach, Katie Bandy, was, yeah. Um, was also working on the Future is Female project and thinking along those lines and just came across it on her own accord. So Katie Sakura got a deluge from Loyola almost immediately. And I think that was August, right? That was, that was late yeah, summer? Yeah, that would have been like the second day of August. Yeah. Um, which as like an otherwise starving artist, like to get a e- couple emails from like an institution of higher learning, you're like, Okay, something's working. Yes, no, it's working. Um, so um, before I introduce everyone, I, I'm hoping we can show the the trailer piece for the project. Mm-hmm. 
As a music journalist, I am afforded incredible opportunities to create and document relationships with one of the most beautiful groups of people on the planet, my fellow artists. I have created the most wonderful friendships and relationships while working in the New Orleans music community because the people within it are so open and loving and supportive and unique, both personally and artistically. That, however, does not prevent our collective of musicians and dancers and bouncers and venue owners and engineers and the like from being plagued by the same stereotypes and prejudices that have existed throughout our lifetimes. We live in one of the most liberal and progressive cities in the southern United States, and yet we are still not talking enough about a rampant social toxin that needs to be discussed today more than ever before. My name is Katie Sikora, and I am the creator of The Sexism Project. This project began as a series of interviews documenting the viewpoints, thoughts, and experiences of women in the New Orleans music community on the topic of sexism. At the time, I never could have imagined what it has blossomed into today, and now I am ready to bring those stories to the world. I am beyond honored to announce that the work will be presented in an exhibition at the one and only Preservation Hall in the heart of the French Quarter on November 3rd, 4th, and 5th, 2017. While with each new day, I am even more excited to bring this work to you, now is the time I need help from the rest of this musical world we call home. We are aiming to reach $4,000, enough to print 60 museum quality photographs, as well as create an exhibition space with enough artistry and personality to match each woman presented in this installment of the Sexism Project. One unexpected byproduct of this process has been the creation of a network of badass female artists who are working so hard every day to realize their own dreams that they are so unaware of all the other women doing the same thing next door to them. So going forward, my goal is to keep the Sexism Project alive in different communities, with different subjects, in different cities across the globe. Help me do this. Help create a change that begins in the New Orleans music community and ends only when we erase sexism entirely. So you can maybe see why I was kind of into that, that idea, right? Um, so I want to introduce my guests. So obviously, Miss Katie Sakura, who you just saw on the screen, um, the director, yes. And we have the project team. We've got Ms. Morgan, Alexis, and maybe a familiar face, Adam Gerber. So if it's OK, can I ask you to introduce yourselves and the role you had with the production of, of the Sexism Project? Sure. Um, as you stated, my name's Katie. I am the founder and executive director of the Sexism Project. And um, I started working on this in May of 2016. Um, and just started by interviewing my fellow women in the industry here and shooting their portraits. I am a photographer and journalist um, as my bread and butter. So um, to cover a topic of this magnitude is really difficult. So I wanted to take a really small slice of it and present the issue through our community. And that led me to doing interviews with both Alexis and Morgan and then they became a part of the team. And uh, then Adam hopped on at the very end, and we're really excited that he's on the team now as well. And Katie Oh, yes, and we have a fifth team member. She's just um, being a badass working the Super Bowl for this month, so <laughs> she can't be with us today. Uh, my name is Morgan Thielen. I am a musician and studio owner in a studio called Bear America Records Uptown. And um, Katie came to do an interview with me, and uh, I immediately was like, I want to be a part of this project, and ended up becoming the creative director for it. So I did all the visuals and um, design and stuff like that, I guess. I'm Alexis Marceau. Um, I am the events coordinator. <laughs> um, I say that with curator. a question mark. Curator. Catch on. Uh, because I, I don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I was interviewed by Katie. I'm a musician. I'm in a Sweet Crude and Alexis in the Samurai. And uh, she interviewed me, and I was like, what are you doing with this? This is incredible. Like, I want to be involved. And at the time, she was probably going to make it a website or a blog or something. And I was like, this needs to be visual. This needs to be touched. And uh, so we built this amazing team. And um, 
I didn't really know how to curate anything. I just wanted to do it. Like I was like, I've put on musical shows. It can't be that much different. Um, so I ended up putting the um, the head the you know musical lineup together. So. Um, Alexis was also responsible for securing Preservation Hall for the exhibition. So yes. that was huge. Um, so I found the space and then we put this lineup together. And something that, that like I love about this project is um, it's it's you know centered around something tragic um, and un, you know unfortunate, but there's always a, a creative element and a thing that can make people really happy. Um, so the music in this case was the thing that we could all get behind. And um, yes, all of these women went through horrible things, but we could celebrate um, our work together. So um, that's yeah, pretty much. I went on and on, but that's what I did. <laughs> Hi, uh, I'm Adam Gerber. Uh, I went here, graduated in 16. I am a production specialist and came on about a week before the exhibition. Uh, Katie Budge is a friend of mine, and we were working on an event at Halloween, and she just, I knew of the event and was so excited for it, and I jumped on and kind of ran the, the front of house stuff, volunteer coordinator, just kind of catching everything that I could to help this amazing event happen. Uh, Preservation Hall was a beautiful space. We couldn't ask for anything better and honored and stoked to be part of the team. So there was, I noticed a little bit of a, a rock and roll vibe to how this whole thing has unfolded. And I'm, I'm going to blame you two for that, which is awesome. That's, that's, I felt that. And that's now I'm realizing why that was obvious. Okay, great. Um, so... Katie, you do you have done a lot of photography. You are all over the country doing work for various artists and, and festivals and things like that. Um, talk to me about what what sparked this. Um, I wish I had a very clear, concise answer for this, but um, I'm going to speak for the ladies in the room. Maybe you under and I'm not saying it doesn't happen in other groups of, of humans as well. I just am a woman, so I know about it. Um, there's a phenomenon that happens when you have only women in a room together where you just start sharing the stories of all the stupid shit you've gone through. And sometimes it's funny, and sometimes it's horrendous, sometimes it's sad, sometimes it's terrifying. Um, but it's a way to heal and vent and just know that you're not the only one going through this kind of thing. Um, and essentially, until I started my work on the project, my experience with it had been behind closed doors. And so what I wanted to do was bring my story and the stories of others out from behind those doors and present them to people who might not understand the things that women or some women or other genders go through because of your genetic makeup. Sure. So Morgan, I want to ask, you're a business owner. Yes. Let's talk about that. Well, in New Orleans. Yeah. <laughs> tell, me, tell me how that's fun. gone. Um, Before we even get to the project part, okay. talk to me well, about it. So I'm a musician, first and foremost. Uh, my brother and I were in a band called The Kid Carsons. I'm in a band called Coyotes. We, do, we played a lot, a lot of places. And we started a small studio for ourselves. And, um, you know, like any expensive hobby, it snowballed into a very expensive hobby. And then we decided to make turn it into a full-time business. Um, and it's, it's been going great. Right now we're working on a train musical that's gonna be performed live in City Park on the train. So it's you amazing, everyone should go, it starts in May. Is that, yeah, so if you look on employola.com, they are recruiting for musical tour guides for yes. the, the auditions yes. just happened, I think, oh, this weekend. Okay, great. Just a little public service there. Um, Okay, so you own a recording studio. I do, yeah. What's that like uh, on the on the female spectrum of, of well, working with with people recording or trying to do business with you? Because we're a small studio, um, especially in the beginning, it was pretty much people that we were friends with to start with, you know. So they, you know, were mostly very respectful, and you know, it was like, "This is awesome. You guys own a studio. Can we?" pay you to record us. We're like, awesome, you know, great, of course. Um, but then when it started to get, like, expand a bit, and there are people we didn't know, um, there were some times when there was assumptions like, oh, who are you dating that's here? I'm like, I own half of this, <laughs> you know? But um, uh, it's been, I don't know, I th I, it's been actually more positive than you would think. Good. But I think it's because it's a small studio and not, like, you know, a big, giant professional looking studio. It's comfortable and so people treat you like they're 
at their, your home because it, is, it feels like a home. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So, Alexis, you're part of a duo. Yes. When you and you guys tour and gig pretty extensively yeah. in with both Sweet Crude, the Sweet Crude and the, yeah. yeah, and Alexis, Alexis and the Samurai. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your experience? Is your experience in a female of both of those setups been different? What have you noticed anything? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but I'm really good friends with my bandmates, so um, I just tell them right away when they are acting out. Um, I'm just like, you're being an asshole right now. Excuse my French. But, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I experience it all the time. Like when I walk into a venue, they think I'm going to sell the merch that night. And then I, I'm, I'm definitely the performer. And I'm like, I'm playing tonight, you know. But that's always the first thing they think. I'm like the merch person. And um, so to is the merch. That's, yeah. Okay. So it's really frustrating, though. Like, yeah. yeah as a, I don't think I've ever experienced walking into a venue without that being the first thing someone's thought. Or it's like, oh, who's Gary? You carrying? Are you dating someone in the band? Yeah. yeah. And then they hit on you once thing. they realize you're good, oh. and you're like, oh, really? You can play Freebird? Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Talk but, about it. But when it comes down to like my bandmates or like things in the van or you know, um, I I mean I'm just. Uh, especially since I've done this project, I am so vocal. I am not holding my tongue anymore. There's no reason to. And we were all, a lot of us were taught to behave as women and just, you know, know, keep it to yourself, but I'm over it, you know? And a lot of us, I mean, all of us are. We're so so done. Yeah, we all are. Um, So, uh, you know, I've always been a pretty vocal person, but when Katie came to interview me, I had just gone through something really... Horrific. Um, the duo was at, uh, we had a residency um, at Chikiwawa. I'm just going to say their name. Do it. Do um, it. And because I did it in the interview, I was like, I'm not going to name names because I don't want to burn bridges. But at this point, I haven't gotten an apology. None of us are ever so. playing there again. So. Yeah. And uh, so we were there for over three years. Um, every single Monday, we built this amazing uh, loyal fan base. And we would play for people from all over the world. And yes, we were given an opportunity and it was awesome. And it really changed the game for us. But um, every time they'd pay, me, pay us out, they would literally hand the money over to Sam, my partner, and skip me. And eventually I was like, you know, I put that in the bank, dude. Like, you can just give it to me, you know? And Sam's like, you know, she does, dude. And he still would give it to Sam. And that was one example. And then finally, it came down to us moving. And he had a meeting with Sam at a coffee shop. Sam's my writing partner. And he sat him down and said, you know, we're not going to have you all here anymore. We're going to switch to another artist. And it was kind of coming from no, no place at all. We had huge crowds coming all the time. And, um, and Sam was like, well, don't you think Alexis should be here? Like, she's part of the band, and this is a huge thing. Like, we've been here for over three years. And he said, you know, Sam, you're just cool-headed. So he literally left me out of this meeting because he knew I would either protest or say something, or he he just knew it was going to be uncomfortable because I usually speak my mind. And it was just so ridiculous. Sam was like, well, this is absurd. And he, he got up and left, and I was super proud of him for doing that. But it was just one of those moments where like, I'm such a part of that band, and I was not part of this huge conversation that literally changed our lives. I mean, we made a lot of money at that show. We, 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 you know, we wanted to make that money. We needed to make that money to pay our rent, and it changed everything. We thought we would have nowhere to go. Luckily, we're now at DBA, and they treat artists really kindly, and it's awesome. But it was just a pivotal moment, and I was so angry. And I've heard horror stories like that, but it's never happened to me. And and I was just, uh, I had steam coming out of my ears, and it was so timely that Katie came and was like, do you have any stories about sexism? <laughs> and I was like, yes, absolutely. And it just fueled my fire. It really did. And that's, I think it's a huge reason why I like pushed us to do this bigger thing because I was like so amped up on like how we were treated in and how you know it affects people's lives you know like it really does yeah I was, I was just going to interject and say that 
some of these instances on, on their own might not sound like that big of a deal, but when you hear this all day, every day, for your entire life, it shapes who you are and how you operate within the world. And um, there are many women our age and your age that are now having to break that all down and shed it, which is a lot harder than it sounds, um, which is an added, it just was made it so much cooler that everyone on the team wanted to be a part of it. I really didn't have to go looking for anyone. It was like, once I had Alexis, then I had Morgan, then I got Katie, and then we got Adam. So um, that, as a project creator, um, was really humbling and, and really exciting, because they're all really, really talented people. I, I would never call a situation like that a, you know, a small piece. I mean, we have an orange nightmare right now, because Maybe most people didn't like, feel comfortable just to... with a woman president. Is, what I will say. Arguably, lots of people said, we don't trust her to be cool-headed was the phrase. You know, there was a sense in You're cool-headed. You're cool-headed. Insinuating that I'm hot-headed. Yeah. It's also important to note that she's talking about Alexis and the Samurai, which is a two-person band. So it's not like there's six people in the band and he invited one. Also, my name's in the band (laughs) title. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there, I mean, we're in the dichotomy of New Orleans is, as you say in the, in the promo, it's, it's this liberal, just left-thinking city, but we are entrenched in the South. So I think that, that the experiences here are particularly, you know, backlit almost by that Southern, that Southern thought. And, you know, I grew up in the Midwest in Chicago, which is arguably one of the most democratic cities in, in the United States. Um, and... Not only moving here, but growing up a little bit, starting to get out of college age and into my like mid-20s, um, this belief that I grew up with, and I think a lot of people grew up with, that you know, women's rights were equalized and solved in the 60s and 70s, and that racism ended in the civil rights era. Um, it's utterly wrong, by the way. Uh, we're just shattered, and so this project is... I, I really truly learned the meaning of channeling energy, and that's what we came up with. Then this is the product. And I will say, you know, you will hear in the coming months, um, Loyola has the Women's Resource Center who sponsors the Feminist Festival Week, and that's the first week of March. Yeah. Um, so you'll, you'll see me doing this whole thing again. Um, and feminism is... It's really hard to get this across, but I will say this a million times to you. It's about equality. It's not about like how women are so much better than men. It's, it's nothing like that. But this isn't feminism. This is about people being held down by preconceptions based on gender. So th- this is about an uprising and a realization that the way we give a bill to the man at the table as opposed to the woman, because she can't earn money, right? Um, you know, the way we, we say, you're so cool-headed because, you know, your partner, she's, she could fly off the handle at any moment. You know, these, this project is a reflection of these realizations that the way we regard a, half of our population has to change. So this isn't even feminism. This is, this is surfacing and dredging up a preconception or just a mindset that is so deleterious and so harmful to beautiful things like making music and making art and, and photography and what it squelches. Um, uh, to, uh, to further that note, um, fem- feminism is obviously an excellent cause. It's, it's really powerful and it is the solution, but before we can get to the solution, we have to work on solving the problem. It just doesn't go away overnight. Um, and there's a lot of people that are still in a lot of pain because of um, gender structures and stereotypes that exist not only in our country, but around the world. Exactly. So I don't want to leave our last, our last panelist out. Mr. Adam Gerber, why don't you talk about how you got, how you got involved? And in, you've worked, I happen to know your work history a little bit better than most. You've worked with some like pretty powerful ladies and, and had some great experiences with Sierra and with, with you know, touring with the band that you've toured with and all of that. Talk about that. Yeah, so I... Um in the, I, I work in festivals mostly, and I, I tour, and mostly when I tour, I tour with uh, Tedeschi Trucks Band, for those who know. Susan is killer, and she's the best and, you know, the boss every day. And I, I've noticed as I've grown up in the festival world that as it's such a new industry, it is really female-driven um, because it's such a meritocracy that there is a certain extent to which 
the the bullshit gets drowned out, and if you can show up and do the job best, you're gonna stay around. Um, all of my role models in my early career have been female, with the exception of one. Um, and I'm thinking of a list of seven or eight people. Um, and I am so proud to be surrounded by so many amazing women in my life, and it it's stupid, quite frankly, that we can't just coexist. And once you realize the social inequality that's going on, it it should be become it should become our burden to bear. Like that, the social discomfort that you guys were just talking about, that like lifelong struggle with not feeling right or not feeling equal or not like you belong. Like dudes, that's that's ours now. Like you got to take that energy and then focus it towards changing yourself. Make yourself feel uncomfortable. Like st put yourself in the way of these situations because like it change isn't going to happen without all of us. Um, it's just impossible. Like there's 50% of the population that has to wake up that the other 50%'s there and means something. Um, and I, there's, uh, I've had such an amazing career and it wouldn't happen without women who fought all of that their entire lives and boy howdy, I wish they didn't have to. Man, I love this guy. I'm He's also going to give a we, quick... We seriously would not have been able to do this exhibit without you. Yeah, um, he absolutely He came in it. at the end, and Hire we Adam would have everything. drowned without him. So. Um, I also want to just shout out Adam. Uh, lead, even up the day of the exhibition opening, um, I remember Adam calling all of us boss all weekend, and... Uh, <laughs> As far as like back as I can remember, that's the first time anyone's called me boss ever. Um, so that was that was really really cool, and I remember being like, "Okay, yeah, okay, I'm the boss." <laughs> <laughs> so Adam Adam talked about role models and the litany of people who did have to fight in so many different small and large ways. Um, so let's take a minute and and pull up that page. So this is the Sexism Projects website page. And it's going to be the exhibit link that just shows you the depth of the people involved. You're going to recognize some of your classmates. There's a lot of Loyola class. You're going to recognize some, some New Orleans fame. You're going to recognize all kinds of faces. Yeah, can we get that bigger? <laughs> just click, click that box. No. Uh, yeah. Let's get that full screen. Uh, no. No, just the, the box to the right. Yep. Yes. Nailed it. Aced it. So, uh, computer page operator, if you would be so kind, would you do a quick, like, not quick, but just a, a slow scroll down through these pictures? The yeah, the, the lights, lights are preventing the... So if we could maybe just dim them a tiny bit, yeah. We're still scrolling, guys. I mean, take a minute to realize we, we are scrolling in a project that is, is localized to New Orleans. These are people who had stories to tell, again, large and small, impactful, devastating, or just mildly irritating, that dealt with the fact that they were women trying to get their job done. So could we get just maybe some names of people that we're seeing here? Sure. Um, so on your left-hand side, that's Charmaine Neville. Um, we've got Danielle Dan Daniel Dietz. Who she owns White a Ridge. record store on Magazine, right next to Whole Foods. I'm sure you've all seen it. Uh, there's Dominique Lejeune, um, Sinner Wright. She's an amazing musician. Uh, we've got Maggie Kerner and Tasha De La Rocha coming up. Um, We've got... His boyfriend. Yeah, his um, boyfriend. Next to her is Haruka Kikuchi, an and insane then, trombone player. If you've never seen her play, just go down to Frenchman and look. You'll uh, recognize Frida. Kiana. Big yeah. Frida. Kiana Green. 
Yeah, and we, I closed the project by doing an interview with Big Frida, um, and that was probably the best way to end this project, because she's one of the most positive people I've ever met in my entire life. And her interview is, um, is incredible. Uh, if, you, if, if you guys want to visit the website and actually read the full interviews, you just click on them and it lists yeah, everything they click said. On, maybe click on Big Frida there and you can show what happens. Uh-oh. But the best... Oh, maybe not. Um, <laughs> but the best part to me about this situation in the photographs, they're all in their homes or mostly in their homes. And it's such an intimate space. So they're being like super vulnerable. Like I was super vulnerable when I was being interviewed in my living room. And then she she captures that feeling right after the interview. And so you had, you've just talked about all this annoying th- stuff that has happened to you. And then she snaps the photo in a place that you're comfortable, right? So it's like... It's very moving, I think. Um, I mean, I'm one of the subjects, so I'm biased. But it is when you are in a place that you're comfortable and then speaking about things that make you uncomfortable. It's a very strange, like, uh, rub against, you know? So Yeah. Can I ask a little bit about just the, the process? So I, I want to take it from... We've talked about ideas and how you wanted to go about it. Talk to us how these moments came about, as Alexis alluded to, and then maybe we can talk a little bit about the Prez Hall experience. Um, yeah, so I am good friends with a band called Sexual Thunder. Um, so they all used to live in a house on Fred Street, not far from here, um, and on one of the last days before they moved out, they were having a big, what was called Thunder Jam. Um, <laughs> And I was just listening to the music and this kind of circling back to, I wish I had a concise story for how this happened, but I don't. Um, And I just had kind of a wave of of thought and inspiration and I locked myself in the guitarist room and just started tearing pieces of paper out of a notebook and scribbling down what would have been my own answers to the questions that I then asked um, all my subjects. And like an hour later, I emerged from his room just like, it must have looked like a bat out of hell, like just torn paper and like pen ink all over me. Um, and I remember vividly that was a Sunday, and the very next day on Monday, I just started texting um, and Facebooking all the women that I knew and my friends in the industry. And um, like Alexis mentioned, I, I really thought that it was going to be 10, 15, 20 interviews and kind of write like a story for an online blog about it. And um, every woman that I talked to, literally asked me, oh, have you talked to so-and-so? And I'd be like, well, no, do you have their number? Um, and that's how we got to 60 women participating in this. Um, and uh, so the, the process, more specifically, I would just uh, reach out, send the questions to each woman, um, made it perfectly clear that if there was anything that each person didn't want to talk about or wanted to talk about something that I hadn't brought up to let it fly, um, and then I just went to their house and we had a very conversational interview, shot the portrait. I took between five and 15 photos per woman and uh, then I left. And I actually have a really embarrassing tidbit about that. Some of the, the interviews were really intense, um, that there, were more, there was more than one occasion where I left forgetting to shoot the portrait which as a photographer is very embarrassing to have to text the person being like, oh, we forgot this really important half of the project before I left your house. Um, but yeah, it was, um, I went through a lot of emotional whatever due to this project and I've come out the other side very, very happy that I did. So how did you, so you, you were locked in a bedroom coming up with these questions. Um, did, was it, did you screen the questions with anybody else? Was there like a team of, of you know, peer reviewers that said like this, this one, No, this one, at this the one? time it was just me. Um, and I'm assuming that the great majority of, you, majority of you are artists in some form or fashion. And when you have your first inkling of a project, many of us are very hesitant to let it out of the box um, in fear of tainting it. Uh, because, you know, everyone else in the world is inferior to your own brain. Um, (laughs) And so in that, I think there's some beauty because you get to kind of curate this thing in your head before you talk about it. In this particular case, I very naively didn't stop to think that doing it all on my own and at the voracious appetite that I was doing it uh, would affect me personally and emotionally, and it absolutely did. 
um, went into a pretty massive depression because of the project and uh, found my way out of it, um, thanks to these ladies and this gentleman. Um, yeah. So let's take it now. We're past interviews and photographs. Did you know I need to take it to this this level of Preservation Hall? Did you did you have an idea of what the package would look like once it was all compiled? <laughs> kind of, not really. I mean, this was all of our first time creating an event of this sort, and uh, so a lot of it was just like, okay, let's do this and this and this and this, and we screen printed our own T-shirts, and that was awesome, and we did all this random stuff because we all have different skill sets and it all came together. It was actually like, it, it was insane how, um, before Adam joined us with the other Katie, um, the four of us have like opposite and equal skills and tendencies. And with the balance of the four of us, it's the best group I've ever worked with. Everything just got done. Like Katie has a tendency to be overly organized and want to get things done about five months in advance. And I, you know, wait to the very last minute. So it was like this perfect balance where I was like, okay, we'll get it done a month in advance. Like that's totally a reasonable time to do things. Um, and so the four of us just all had like different different skills and it just kind of fell into place. It was pretty unbelievable. It was just like, all right, and here's what you're doing and here's what you're doing and that happens to be what you're best at in life. So here, it's This worked. is a, a real life Captain Planet situation. It really, yes, really, really was. And, awesome. And the beautiful Katie Budge uh, came in and she's so savvy with like production and so all of the things that I was like I was building the lineup and I was like we're gonna get big Frida uh what do we do now <laughs> I have big Frida what do we do with her and Katie was like okay I'll give her get her writer I will do the things that she needs to be a performer here so it was like it was the most incredible organic thing I've ever been a part of and you know if we if one of us would get stressed out, the other person would be like, "No, nah, it's fine." Like, I'll take when they half say of if that, one of us got know? stressed out, it was always me. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, there was. It, I mean, I had a concise thing in my head that I wanted the project to look like, which it was only because I had this amazing photographer friend Zach Smith do an exhibit at Prez Hall, and it was beautiful, and he used the space so well and organically like he used the brick walls with wood and and I I, I I texted him after it was over and I was like thank you so much for doing your exhibit there like we I mean I was able to really visualize it because it had already happened but it was in a different subject matter a very different subject matter but being in Prez Hall like it's so magical and it the history behind it is just it you can feel it in the air. And it's a very, like, I mean, there's a lot of men for years and years that have played there and only within the last decade or so has it, now it's run by like a lot of women and it's awesome. Um, but it was, it was also cool to be in a space that like started probably as a men's club, you know? And, um, but use that, use the space and use that history, I think was the biggest thing. And I, I could visualize that for sure. Yeah. Another really important like milestone of the project was securing Prez Hall. And it was actually the first and only place that we went to see. Um, Alexis had the idea to reach out to them and we went and we had a meeting um, with a lovely man named Ron and we told him about the project and why we wanted to do it at Prez Hall. And he pretty immediately was just like, yes, let's get some dates on the books. And um, we walked out of there, uh, I was just, in that meeting, like, you're in a meeting, don't cry, don't cry. Well, you were going to cry because, so... But which tears are cool. Yeah, tears are, tears are fine. But <laughs> um, but that was the we, first, like, moment where I was like, oh, people want and need this. Yeah. Well, we asked them, like, I mean, they were so generous. And one of the subject matters, Ashley Shabronkere, is she's a musician. I think she went to Loyola. And maybe not. Um she, but, she went. To, she's a, an alum for sure. Okay, yeah. Um, she's an incredible trombonist, but she runs helps run Prez Hall, and I'm a Camel Two Lady Supper with her, and it was just like, it, that's where New Orleans is like no other place. It's I just like texted Ashley and I was like, hey, can we use Prez Hall for an exhibit? She was like, yeah, no problem. All right, <laughs> and I was like, what? I thought that was going to be way harder, you know? <laughs> and when we went to talk to Ron, we were like, you know, we were just blown away about how like generous they were being with the space because we had no money. Like we had a fundraiser to like do the, 
portraits, but we really didn't have much of a budget, you know, and they really worked with us and it was, it was beautiful. Can we talk about that, the fundraiser? Yes. So yes. crowdfunding experience, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Go. Um, we had a pretty smooth um, experience. Okay, so no bad or ugly. All right. Tell the, <laughs> tell the good. Um, we went through a crowdfunding site called Hatch Fund, which I had never heard of before. I consulted with a friend's father who's been uh, in the arts for a very long time, and he recommended it to me. It's an artist-based crowdfunding community, and so each project gets um, a one-on-one -on -one advisor of sorts who works for Hatch Fund, who kind of walks you through everything. And um, in your 30 days of, of fundraising, they have certain milestones for you and like suggestions of um, good ways to get the word out. Um, and all the donations are tax deductible. So all of that came together and it just, it went really well. <laughs> So it's built for, when you say artists, is it exclusively visual artists or is it Just any sorts? project that an artist might be working on. Okay. Um, whereas like Indiegogo or GoFundMe or Kickstarter can be for anything. Yeah. This is specifically for the arts. Okay. So all good, excellent experience. I have, I have zero complaints. Um, yeah, they even like, as as stated before, the our one-on-one -on -one advisor was really good at um, bringing me down from my my... Uh, panic ledge, if you will. <laughs> I had a panic attack on him too, which I've never told you guys that before. But <laughs> it's it's good to air those things here on the on the music industry forum stage. It's great. Well, Alexis and I had both done them for bands and whatnot, so we're like, no, just there's going to be a surge at the beginning, and then it'll dull. And just wait, at the end you'll be fine. Katie was like, oh god, that was fine. Like it all, yeah, it's usually fine. But it was interesting, like because it was sort of like starting a business, you know, like okay, we have capital now because we, we you know we got the the funding but then we didn't like we, we didn't want to spend all of it in one place like for the portraits necessarily because we wanted to have merchandise and the merchandise ended up being and still is like please go buy a t-shirt on our website because that's how you get the word out I mean you wear that and people are going to ask you what that means and so we wanted to have merchandise and we wanted to have other things that weren't just going to be the portrait so it was like it was very um, nerve-wracking to like. It was like starting a new business, and it was we, also really important to us to pay all our performers and subcontractors right, because we've so, all worked the gigs where you didn't get paid, and it right, sucks. Exactly. So <laughs> it was a, it was really important for us to like organize that and not fuck that. Excuse me, mess that up. Um, I'm just so comfortable here, um, but it it was really important for us to get that right. And and now because we we had such good team members. And we, we like took the time to like make sure that we did it correctly. We are able to do it again and then again and do a different industry every year. And that's um, exciting to me yeah. because I've always, I've always wanted to be involved in some sort of activism thing, but nothing's really ever, I've always volunteered for things. And, but this is the first time where I was like really driven for some, like to do something about something that happened to me, yes. And sometimes that is how it works, you know? You have to have your own personal experience for it to really change you, but this was like so important for me to, for, it, for us to be successful because I wanted it to become a, a, a platform of, of activism, you know? And, and not just activism, but like, uh, well, activism, but I think the most, like, the most, the thing that I didn't, anticipate was um, like our people our mother's age um, at the event uh, coming up to us and being like, you know, I've never felt like it was okay to talk about this. And like, thank you so much for giving us a place. We had a little box that was like, share your story and you could write it down. Or, you know, people were just having conversations everywhere. And like, to me, like that is so important that like my mom felt like she could write something down, you know? Yeah. And, like, oh yeah, I mean, I, my mom told me a story I had never heard before because we were there and it was in the air, but I saw a side of my mother and I was like, I felt so close to my mom after that whole experience because she was like, oh my God, yeah, I've dealt with this for so many years. Like, we can talk about it? This is crazy. Because my, I mean, really, we, the children of the 80s, I think, like we were also raised to like not say stuff sometimes. I mean, at least in the South. And 
it was like it was so magical to like hear like our parents talking like that and our dads and our dads Dad. my dad read every interview like he is not one to do something like that he was like crying and reading every single excerpt and that was the coolest thing because he's just not i don't know my dad doesn't necessarily strike me as like an activist sometimes, well, but like he was, he was really interested in it, and he didn't know that it, like he really didn't know it existed to that extent. He was and, like, "Oh, this is, this is a thing. This is messed yeah. up." Well, it's it's astonishing. I think you know, children of the '80s, we were this bridge of like say nothing, but then we got into the 90s of say everything, right. right? And so I think it's easy to forget that just one generation away is harboring all of these stories that are just the same as, as we are experiencing. Um, real quick before we move, I wanna talk about merch and how they've actually brought merch with them. So if you're interested, that's, in a, that's a possibility afterwards, so. Yay. Yeah. We have shirts and we also printed books um, of, um, the photos and excerpts from the interviews. Can you get those online? You can get them online, but... Um, T-shirts we have here, the books you get them. online. Nice. <laughs> so take me to that night. What was it, Thursday the 3rd? Was that the first Three night? Thursday the 2nd. I Thursday know those the dates second. really well. Yeah. Um, take me to it. It was, it was, it was packed. I know it was packed. I uh, had a self-prescribed, like, I'm going to get there right as we open so I don't flip out about anything. And I think it went really well. But other than that, um, I was, it's kind of the personal side of it. I was just walking around looking at this incredible exhibition that me and my colleagues and my friends worked really hard to put together that a lot of people that we know and didn't know cared about and wanted to see and um, helped change their view of things. And I was just looking around at these people that I didn't know coming off the coming off of Bourbon Street, um, take interest in it. And as an artist, it was like, well, I just, I literally made this up. Um, <laughs> this is really cool. And I think I said, this is awesome. This is cool about a thousand times over the weekend. Um, and then at the end of the weekend, I said to uh, a friend was like, how do you feel? And I was like, I did something really cool this weekend. He's like, you did something that moved people this weekend, and then I like burst into tears. <laughs> Katie um, was like a little angel at the end on the last <laughs> night. She had this whole like white outfit on, and we were so exhausted. It was it was very exhausting. And she was uh, she took a nap on the couch, like in one of in the, the prez hall. Like, rooms. She had like glitter. She was you know she had glitter everywhere, and she was just like napping with a white cat. And it was like. <laughs> who are you, angel person? Um, and you deserve to sleep for a little bit. So we're going to leave you there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think magical was the word to describe the weekend. We actually have some people who volunteered at the event in the audience right now. Um, and uh, Y'all are amazing. Thank you, thank you. for all your yeah. hard work. Um, but So they can attest to it, too. There was just a feeling of like, here's this awful, terrible thing that like a lot of people go through. And here's this like really communal, safe space that we've created to talk about it and make it okay to talk about it. And um, I still have a hard time wrapping my head around the fact, like Alexis, it's like you grow up thinking, you know, okay, I'll volunteer for this and then I'll be, that's, I'm good for the year. Um, and uh, to, to kind of accidentally stumble into something that you care about so much is, I'm feeling it right now, I'm starting to shake a little bit. Uh, it's, it's something that it's inside of you that you can physically feel and it's awesome. That's yeah, amazing. I, I mean, Adam, talk about it from like, cause you said you jumped in about mm -hmm. a week before the exhibition launched. So talk about it like you're new to this situation. Like what, was, what was your perspective from it? So when I came into this, I hadn't, it was October, um, November, I, Hadn't bought groceries since May, because I'd been on the road for so long. Um, I was only home for two weeks when this happened. I, I was exhausted. Like, I was little left in the tank. Um, didn't feel it that entire time. Like, I was energized and happy and excited every single second of that exhibition. That hall is magical, and what, they, what you guys did with it and how it looked was amazing. And just, it's so, it was so, such an honor 
because like I work for promoters, I work for AEG and Live Nation. You know, I work for big companies and rich people who put on great concerts. Um, it was so special to do something that mattered so much to so many people and that we owned and was ours through and through. Like nobody else's, nobody, this wouldn't have happened if you hadn't said that it was gonna end. It was just such an honor to, it was so fun to feel that energized and, and help something that important. So let me ask, you know, we danced around it a little bit. Uh, the horrendous, I keep hearing that word and, and I agree because I've read all of the stories at this point. Um, there are some really heinous things to the tune of, you know, the Dr. Luke accusation with Kesha and things where women have been physically compromised um, and taken advantage of. Um, those stories are there. What was something that was surprising to you? Because unfortunately, I almost feel like those things are not surprising anymore. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's shocking to hear it because I, you go to a place where you don't want to believe that that is still happening, um, but it's not shocking that it's happening um, still. And um, in, I mean, there's there's a couple stories that like still stick out to me. There's there's one relatively detailed account of a rape on the site. Um, there's a lot of sexual assault. There's um, one performer, she is um, a little bit older and she has a story about how she used to tour with, when she was young, she used to tour with an older male artist and every time she entered the stage, he would find some way to either untie or cut the straps of her dress in front of an audience for entertainment purposes and she would try and enter the stage from different directions to throw him off, but he always found a way. And I just remember that was, I was skin crawling. Um, there's another woman who was told that her, your voice is phenomenal, but you'd be a lot further in your career if you just get on your back. Um, and like, I held it, I managed to hold it together during a lot of interviews, and then I just go sit in my car and bawl my odds out and then go to the next one. Um, I forget what the question was. <laughs> no, those were, those were good. Um, I think I'm interested about, like, were there small surprises in these stories? Like, even, even just what you mentioned of, oh, you're so cool-headed. You know, those, those small moments. I've had a woman in the industry here in New Orleans tell me, woman to woman, uh, how old are you? Oh, well, when you're 40, you become invisible. I, you know, those small moments that I will never forget that. So like, what were some of those like teeny things that I don't want to minimize the atrocities in the, in the no, experience, I mean, but like, what are the teeny things that you heard too? I mean, it's so easy to consider yourself lucky if you haven't gone through one of the, the easily identifiable, terrible experiences, but that in and of itself is pretty messed up that you have to be lucky in order to not experience something terrible. Yeah. Like sexual assault. You have to, yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, there's just a lot of mundane stuff. There's a lot of things that uh, don't sound sexist, like um, you look really nice with your hair down, or oh god, uh, so many things. Uh, I forget now. I'm blinking, but um, the post-its are all still on the website. Just like you should wear that top more often, like just things like that, like little things. I mean, it happens like all the time, but when it happens like over and over from the same people, especially because I had a residency, so I would see the same gross people a lot. And just the, th the things that they would repeat, and it's like, do you know you're saying that that thing that you think is mundane, but it's not to me? Yeah. Um, or those things that like are these disguised compliment. Right. Yeah, there was, like, there the, we should wear that top as a great example. It's like, yeah, and I think yeah. staring at your boobs. Well, when was the last time I commented on your outfit, sir? Yeah, right. you know that's like. I, I think it's important to to mention that, like, because men are probably like, well, now I can't compliment women at all. Sometimes I feel like they might think that now. You can compliment a woman, just do it in a tasteful manner. And like just, what genuine compliment is way different than a right a, than a creepy guy saying you should compliment. wear that top more often. You should wear that top more often because I like the way your body looks in it and I've been thinking about that over Ugh. here on the sideline this whole time. That's what makes it creepy, yeah. not the compliment. Right. You know? just, just this morning as a photo shoot with uh, someone that I've worked with before and I actually get along with really well and um, this is one of those ones that I just kind of didn't even feel like handling, so I just let it go. Choose um, your battles just, yeah, in a, in and, a war. Uh, but he was just, 
hey, Missy, how's your boyfriend doing? It's just like. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think in the plus side, I see so many, um, like, how to raise a girl in modern America commentaries. Appearance isn't it. You know, when we meet small children, we always say, oh, you look so pretty, the first thing out of our mouth. But now, you know, we're learning that maybe it's not, hey, you should wear that top more often. Like, hey, you really know how to to play that set and, you know, get the audience energy to where you want it. Wow, a major concept, but it's not about appearance. Yeah, Yeah. Your, Your interview is so interesting because you talk about what you wear yeah. And, oh, yeah. And I, I think I, that's so fascinating. For a long time when, in my musical career, I'm a bass player, and I would um, dress way down on stage, like no makeup, um, you know, like big, but big button on shirts, and I, um, which there's obviously nothing wrong with that. But I like to dress up. I love makeup, and I love jewelry, and I love high heels, and it's fun. And uh, it took me so long, like years, to feel comfortable, like enough with my playing to where I knew that people weren't going to judge me for dressing up and being like, well, she's pretty. That's why she's here. So it took me probably four years play, like touring, playing to, for me. One day I was like, I was like 28 and I was like, this is so dumb. I was like, I'm, I was like, I'm done with this. I had had a moment. I was sitting at brothers three on magazine street at like four in the morning. I was like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm going to dress up now. This I think that's stupid. a breaking point for a lot of people. Brothers three at four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've lived in the neighborhood for a long time and have had a lot of breaking she points there. there. Yep. That's great. But that, this was a positive, a positive yeah, yeah. step forward, yeah. which is not always the case. Yeah. So that's great. So we, Oh, excellent. Okay. So I want to ask one question myself and then I'm going to open it up. But before I do that, just a reminder, you guys see the post-it notes, that's part of the project, and we have given out post-it notes. They're over here. Um, we encourage you to, as Sabrina said, um, write down comments, experiences, share that. The more we say it out loud, the more it's realized that it's a real thing. <laughs> it's a thing that we have a problem with. So say it out loud and make it normal to talk about, and then it goes away. It starts to be yeah. become healing. So please do that. Please share with your, your comrades here. Can I say that sexism isn't just in the gender, female gender world. No. It exists with men too. Yep. And I don't know if we say that enough. Like This is not a man-hating project in any way, shape, or form. This particular industry, we decided that it was going to be all women because we had to cap it at some point. But I know it exists in every industry for both genders. So um, I always think that's important to say. Yeah, I was just going to add on to that, that um, I was recently asked by a male, how do I ask questions about this? How do I talk about it in a respectful way? And I said, listen first and ask questions. It's okay to ask. It's okay to be curious. It's okay to figure out what's right and what's wrong. you're still going to have some people who are pretty combative because trauma takes a, uh, manifests itself in many different ways. Um, but as long as you are being genuine and um, trusting of the person who you're asking the advice of, uh, you're going to be in a pretty good position. So let me ask one question, and I'll open it up. What's next? What's on the horizon? <laughs> um, so we actually have a couple things in the works that uh, we're really excited about. Uh, This last installment was featuring women in the New Orleans music industry. Our next two installments will also be in New Orleans. Um, The next one is not going to be presented in an exhibition. It's going to be an all online uh, installment. And it's going to be in conjunction with the Bourbon Alliance of Responsible Entertainers, also known as BEAR, um, in the hopes of fighting a lot of the uh, onslaught of legislation against strip clubs and sex workers in the French Quarter. Um, that's happening right now. If you don't know about this, do some research. There's people losing their jobs, um, and it's it's huge. It's really important. So I'm really excited about that, um, and I'm really excited to learn about an industry that I admittedly know pretty much nothing about. Um, and then after that, we're going to be presenting our next physical one is going to be service industry. Excellent. Lots to talk about there. Yeah, that's that's a, a deep well. That's exciting. Well, I hope we can invite you all back to, to hear these iterations. And if you projects. know anyone in the service industry that has had a crazy thing happen to them, they can yeah, contact have, us on um, our website. On the website, which is thesexismproject.com, we have a contact sheet that you can just fill out, um, and we will get it eventually. Nice. 
So let's ask some questions. Who's got questions here? I see one. Cyan. So for those of you who might not have heard, combating a male figure who uses your gender kind of against you, like assuming that like, girls' work is in the house and boys' work shouldn't have to be cleaning up. Okay. Assuming you're less than. Um, I want to start with saying each case is different. This is one of the hardest parts about sexism is that it exists entirely in a gray area. Um, and so you have all these nuanced, like, emotional things that are taking place under the surface. So that makes it really hard to combat. Um, but, I mean, that's the hard part. I don't have a lot of answers. I think, I think it depends. You know, you have to judge the situation. I think sometimes humor is the best way. You know, sometimes be funny about it and be like, oh, uncle, what's his name? You know, it's 2018 now. And like, you know, make a joke. Um, and then sometimes, you know, when the got to draw the line somewhere and have it talk, sit down with people and have a genuine conversation about how it makes yeah. you feel. When the timing's right, you can just say what you're thinking, you know? If you're in a, in a, a, a place where they're the only one in the room, you know, I've done that multiple times since I've done this project even. I've just confronted people in the right timing you know, but humor is a good way to start. Another really oh, important yeah, good place. Um, thing to have is is a circle of people um, around you that do support you. So when you have moments like that, even if you do speak up and they don't go the way you want, because um, that happens a lot, where you do have the guts to say something and then they just fire back with more nonsense. Um, just have someone that you can call or text or uh, walk around the block with um, that works wonders. Yeah. Questions over here. Yes, sir. Uh, I want to thank Elton for sharing with this person. But, um, just after listening to y'all speak and like, just the lack of ego and the, the love and support that y'all show for each other, I just really, I wish to God that like this country was ran by women like y'all first. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Sakura 2020. Right? Can we do 2024? Okay, fine. <laughs> but it, it seriously is, if people like you, like if you speak up for women in uncomfortable situations, that is going to be the change. And that's really hard. I don't want to diminish, like... That's a big deal. This, this is hard, what they have done. <laughs> like, standing up and saying Chikiwawa out loud. Standing up and talking to a, a family member out loud. Like, that's really tough. So, did you still have a question, though? Yeah, I get a shirt, so I... Yeah, what's that? <laughs> All right, other questions real quick. Yes, ma'am, Tristan. So, are you guys planning on... I know it's probably really hard, but are you guys planning on expanding this outside New Orleans, and where are you trying Absolutely, to... Absolutely, yeah. We all really like to travel, yeah. so yes. We're, we're going to stay here for, I think, two... Well, a little bit longer. There's a lot of industries here. We had a meeting where we sat down, we're like, hey, let's test industries. And we had to stop the meeting, because we wouldn't be okay. there until the next day. Yeah. Um, and, and New Orleans lends itself to certain industries, obviously. You know, music and, and service industry is such a huge part of the city. Film and theater, stuff like that. Yeah. But, you know, if, if tech... Tech is going to be an incredible one. We're going to have to travel for that. But we do have a cool tech industry here. So it might be a mixture, too. Who knows? Yeah. Um, fashion. I definitely want to travel. I really want to do ballet. I think that was a good, be a good one to incorporate men into. There was actually a woman who came to the exhibition who was in town from London. She was like, you have to come do the theater industry in London. I was like, OK, cool. Yeah, well, can we stay with <laughs> you? I'll see you guys later. Be a patron for that, yeah. All right, one more question. Raven. Uh, when conducting your interviews, what are some of the intersectionalities that you saw? Um, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Um, oh, okay. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you mean like, call, like common threads throughout the interviews? Is that what you mean? Um, like other, other, <coughs> other intersectionalities that you saw? Yeah. Um, other things that women have had to do with like say you had a queer and to a, a queer woman and how her queerness intersects with her 
of womanhood and how sexism affects that as a black woman or a woman of color? Yeah, I mean, there's there's the obvious thread that um, we were talking about is sexism, but the um, and then we I, I did want to make sure that we had all um, of our uh, minorities covered. So we have black women, we have Asian women, we have Mexican women, we have older women, we have younger women. Um, but what was really interesting about the pro uh, the interviews was while I went in with a set of questions, each woman kind of designated where the conversation went. So every woman's and man's um, experience with sexism is something vastly different from the next. Um, so I think there were less intersectionalities than I thought there were going to be because some women used the opportunity to talk about uh, the wage gap. Some people talked about um, how hard it is not only to be a woman, but a woman of color. Um, so I guess my answer is they're all really different. Um, that's, not, that's not exactly what you asked, but I hope it satisfies the question. Yeah. Okay, so they're gonna stick around for more questions afterwards, but we need to give them a hand. Thank y'all so Thank much. You. Thank you. Check out their website. EQ&A is brought to you by Loyola University New Orleans and the Scavengers Network. Endeavors such as the Sexism Project are very important to both Loyola University New Orleans and the Scavengers Network. Every voice deserves to be heard and to have a seat at the table, and this project is something that is not just relevant to the music industry, it's relevant to all of society. Before we go, I'd like to invite you to their website once again, which is thesexismproject.com, where you can see pieces from the exhibit and also the post-its page, which is a just sort of bone-chilling moment, I, in my personal opinion, to go through and see the things that have been said or done to people um, as they have navigated this world. Something that was important to us was to take this element and you know, bring it to the forum and panel as well. So at the end of the panel, we had a moment where people were allowed to come up and fill out a post-it note and put their post-its on our wall, much like you would at the Sexism Project installation. So please make sure you go check out their website and their exhibits. Thank you so much for joining us here on EQ&A. From Loyola University, New Orleans, this is Colin Parker, and we'll see you next week.